Welcome to Backyard Philosophy, a podcast where a couple friends grab some cold ones, sit around the fire, and talk about science, philosophy, and history. Crack one open, sit back, and get a good laugh as we discuss everything from automation to why the meaning of life is 42. Fashion has existed for as long as humanity has been around. It has shaped cultures, civilizations, and the entirety of the human race. Huh, who would have thought fashion had such an important role? But before we get into that, Nick, how you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing great, enjoying being warm and dry, and drinking some Irish coffee, because it's still the morning for me. What about you? I am cursed. Currently, there is snow in Texas. I do not like this, but... I got a cold blue moon with me, so can't complain. And I want to start off with the definition of fashion, just so everyone's on the same page. According to Webster, fashion is the prevailing style during a particular time, such as a dress or a garment. And boy, does fashion run deep into human civilizations. Fashion, the oldest piece of fashion ever found, was a piece of jewelry found about 130, 130 170,000 years ago, that's 80,000 years before the arrival of what we call modern man. So yeah, fashion's been really important to multiple humanoids and for a very long time. But Nick, before we continue on, what do you have on the history of fashion? I didn't go that far back. Most of what I have is like the modern history of fashion, how for the longest time, fashion just came out of Europe, especially Americans, pretty much just thought anything that the Europeans did was awesome and we would copy their fashions and and all that stuff until kind of World War, well, kind of to, to the Industrial Revolution and the American fashion started becoming a lot more independent from European fashion. I would agree with that statement. I would also agree. I would also say that every culture across the entire world has their own sense of fashion, their own sense of I guess, identification, which we'll get into later in the podcast, but which I thought was really interesting, which kind of brings up my old fashion to catch up with your close history of fashion, is humans have dyed their hair, changed their colors at for fashion statements since recorded history. So I would easily assume that we were doing it before recorded history. And it wasn't until 1883 where... We developed the first synthetic dye simply to dye a person's hair. It was it was revolutionary because we had the Industrial Revolution meeting fashion almost in the, in the sense where it's mass production and chemicals. And currently, 60% of women in Europe said they have, or estimated 60% of women in Europe have said they've dyed their hair at least once. And 70% of women in America say the same thing. Changing our appearance, Nick, is part of our long history as humanity and our tradition. Yeah, and I was didn't really come across this too much, which is how much fashion actually drove a lot of history. Uh, just think about the uh, the Silk Road and getting silk cloths out of China, even to the fur trade in Al- in Alaska for the seals, which messed up that population and created like an economic boom of sorts of people trying to get up there and 
and get all the uh, fur that they could. Yeah, it was surprising when researching this how ingrained fashion is to all of history. I mean, if you just want to go to 20th century, the bikini. The bikini was a byproduct of World War II with fabrics being harder to come by and people still wanting to look fashionable. They developed the bikini. So thank God for that because I'm a fan of the bikini. But that it was directly tied into one of the most significant wars in all of human history yeah that's that is crazy and i like just all the little footnotes of fashion i mean i think the first real fashion history influence that we came across as americans is ben franklin dressing up like the uh country idiot in france trying to <laughs> yeah <laughs> the with a raccoon, raccoon hat, hat coonskin cap appe- appeasing to the uh, noble french yeah, playing the part. Um, I guess in my mind when researching this, what I think as modern fashion, like fitting in, trying to show your class, your structure, to me, started with the Romans. Surprise, surprise. They, they tend to be the first of many things. All roads lead back to Rome, Mike. <laughs> it's so true, though. Like... Romans, the color purple was sought after because it's from a snail. And, well, it's snail guts and piss. It smells horrible, but it gives that royal purple color, which is really expensive to do. It was a sign of status, a sign of your nobleness. And it's the same with all the fashions of that time. You could identify someone by their sandals, their their sheets, their, their carpets in their house. The enviance of what clothes or textiles or fashion they were wearing was a symbolism of their status in society and it's weird how that tribalism and showing off peacocking is so ingrained into us through nature because birds and other animals do that that we mimic it synthetically yeah that is crazy i didn't know how uh, how that was made but we do that today i mean you can easily judge someone's wealth by what kind of clothes they're wearing for the most part. Oh, yes. And I assume we'll get into that with the appearance of how it affects yourself and how other people view you. Having a suit on versus a person having a fitted suit makes a world of difference, apparently, which is really surprising on how much psychology plays in the part of fashion and how we treat other human beings based on how they're dressed. I guess we do judge a book by their cover. Definitely. Um, other crazy fashion things I wanted to bring up is uh, how the harm people do to themselves in the name of fashion. And I think we'll get into this later, but just like I, they didn't really know at the time, but the Radian girls who put the radioactive lipstick on so that their lips would glow in the dark that we now know is bad for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Uh... Yeah, putting radiation on your skin, really bad for you. Or how about when making uh, specialized hats, I believe they were beaver top hats, you would use like mercury to create these hats. That's why uh, you get the hatcher who is a crazy person in Alice in Wonderland. It's because a hat maker at that time would use poisonous chemicals to make it. And people who 
would wear him a long time would get poisoned and go crazy themselves. Sacrificing for art isn't just for sculptors and painters, but also fashion designers and fashion wearers. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, I feel like there's some other option, something else out there. Well, this might be a little bit from fashion, but it's uh, to me, my mind still connects to fashion where they would have uh, Chinese women have their feet broken and crushed to fit into petite shoes to fit a certain stereotype. I would classize fashion uh, as fashion, and that's physical harm and alteration to your body to look a certain way. And obviously, we progress through that with tattoos, with piercings, with dyeing of hair, alterations to look, feel a certain way solely based on cosmetics. Yeah, and the idea that I was trying to think of is I'm not going to try and pronounce the tribal name, but an Alaskan tribe, many of them, they'd put the uh, whalebone with carvings through their lips, and then they have to pack the hole in the lip with grass and stuff so that it continues to expand their lips so that they can put the whalebone inside. That's supposed to be pretty painful, but it's all in the name of fashion. I know with Southern African tribes where they put selected rings around their neck to help extend their necks to be more giraffe-like, I believe that's an extremely painful process, and that's solely on the fashion of how many gold rings, how many structures you can how many inches you can stretch your neck out, which I, I imagine can't be good for you, but it's so ingrained into their culture and history that that piece of fashion is probably never going to die. Yeah, so a lot of that is kind of, what you say, like fashion, or um, societal symbol, like a symbol of, you know, you have, oh man, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not hitting it today. Kind of going back to the cult, like the Romans with their purple clothes, is a symbol of nobility almost status. status there you go um which is i don't know it seems like that's a lot of what fashion is it's the morality of fashion is is a sense of uh status but also fitting in with the group and i don't know there's a part of fashion obviously that's to protect you from clo to protect you from the elements but if we were only concerned with fashion for protection from the elements we would all be wearing, you know, cooling clothes if it's warm out or like a t-shirt and shorts or whatever, or, and then rain gear when it's raining and, and that's about it. It wouldn't be the, uh, the many different varieties of fashion that we have today, which is very different from the past In where my... you had kind of like the poor fashion and the nobility fashion. Well, in my mind, fashion has nothing to do with functionality. It's simply a piece of art to do self-expression and a piece to show off that you're a certain class structure. I imagine for poor people back in the day before we had more cheap economy clothing, was that was what they had. They weren't really cared about fashioning. They were cared about staying alive. Whatever clothes is warmer, I'm taking that one. That's true. But it's amazing to me on how much money, how much we spend and waste in the fashion world. Currently, as February 2019, the fashion industry is a $2.5 trillion industry annually. $2.5 trillion 
dollars. Holy crap. Yep. I'm not not surprised. I mean, there's so so many clothes that are overpriced and some underpriced, but a lot of people are continually buying clothes. I mean, I every time we go to Costco, I'll get like a new pair of jeans just because I ruined my last ones. And this is really funny, but me my wife is always making fun of me because as the work outside working male, I should probably not spend that much money on clothes, right? But I spend probably more money on her than her on clothes, mostly because I buy expensive, like I bought some $200 rain pants and then I have an expensive raincoat and like $400 work boots compared to her like $30 work pants and $20 top. It's like, oh shoot, I'm the, uh, (laughs) I'm the, I'm the guy contributing to those numbers and she is not. Yeah. I mean, the current average American spends about $1,700 on clothes a year. And I find it funny, Nick, that you're in Idaho and you're spending more than her because this is a really interesting fact when I came researching this, which I completely caught me off guard. Hawaii, California, and Florida, and New York are among the lowest spenders on clothes, averaging around $900, while Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, and South Dakota average the highest, around $2,500 per person. That doesn't surprise me that much because have you ever bought... Uh, I mean, I know you live in Texas now, but uh, snow snow pants and jackets are, are pretty expensive. If you live in an area where you don't, you just buy warm weather clothes, it's going to save a lot of money. Now, New York, I don't get, but I don't know. I, the, the colder it is, the more clothes you got to buy. That sort of makes sense to me, but I also was wondering because those are major states that tend to be expensive states like New York and California. I imagine you'd spend more money on your clothes. And I agree with you, Nick. That's what I came up with too was, hey, you need, uh, to me, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, and South Dakota are pretty much blue collar states and working clothes are not expensive. I mean, are, are expensive because you need them to work. You need them to keep you going, which you kind of don't cheap out on. I mean, hell, I just bought a pair, a two pairs of boots, and I was crying at the end of it because I spent so much money on just a good pair of working boots. So I, I can see it happening, Which, but it was just so surprising to me that California and New York, the lowest spenders, even though they have such high-priced everything. Yeah, that is surprising. It, I, I do... <laughs> I do wonder if they just can't afford to buy clothes after paying rent there, but that could be a separate thing. (laughs) That is a fair assumption. Speaking of getting paid, I just want to throw this out there because I thought this was really interesting because we might be in the wrong career fields here, Nick. The average starting salary for fashion designers is $36,000 to $50,000. The average salary is nearly $90,000 for the United States. Fashion designers make bank, apparently, which is quite interesting. But we've kind of talked about history of like how it's also poisoning us, but also sign of symbolism and clothes. So it's easy to say that fashion is a dual-edged sword. On one hand, you have art, expression, functionality, and capitalism. On the other hand, you have negative impact on the environment, mental health issues, waste, and sweatshop. And Nick, I'm wondering where you want to go from here. 
Um, let's talk about the what clothes, the clothes that we wear, how they affect us, us personally, not other people viewing us. Okay. Um, I'll be honest. I'm very, I'll be very forward with that. I like wearing clothes that I guess make me feel like a star in a movie, like the main hero. So when I wear jeans and a t-shirt, my t-shirt tends not to have any prints on them, any fonts on them, just a generic t-shirt. So I could be in my own mind, a hero of a, of a movie. I, I like functionality, but I also like looking good. Uh, I like sometimes I wear dress shirts to work. Sometimes I don't have to. It's sometimes suit and tie, sometimes just jeans and a, and a button up. But for me personally, it's it's nice to feel to look. If you look good, you feel good, in, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, same. I mean, uh, I, I'm a forester. I work outside. I live in Pacific Northwest. So I dress pretty similar to every other person in the Pacific Northwest jeans, some kind of work boot-ish flannel or button-up and a hat. Uh, but I like to wear, like if I'm wearing a t-shirt or something, I like to wear a t-shirt of a brand that, that I like that maybe not everyone else gets or has like some kind of joke that like if someone comments on it, it's like, okay, I know we're we're cool. Like, um, like uh, let's see, what's an example? Like uh, there's a company, Bison Union, they make a shirt that's Josie Wales for President 2020. And a lot of older people, <laughs> a lot of older people comment on that like, oh man, <laughs> Like, I love Clint Eastwood. It's like, yeah, who doesn't? But, um, and so it's kind of like, you know, if you're in, you're in. I like kind of stuff like that. Or it's got some, some it's kind of humorous that people get a laugh at or something. But, and that makes, uh, you know, that's kind of what I like to wear. And that makes me feel good. But I wanted to talk about um, something I came across about how, like, what exactly what you wear and, and how that affects you. For example, like uh, lab coats for scientists. If you have people, like two scientists, I'll need to study for a couple different people, but, and you put the lab coat on and then you do a task, you're more attentive and more uh, efficient wearing a lab coat than not wearing a lab coat just because we become whatever it is that that lab coat signifies, like intelligence or, or whatever. People feel more of a sense of pride in, in their work or something that makes them more attuned to the task at hand while wearing that lab coat. I saw the same thing, and I imagine uniforms, the whole psychology for uniforms has got to be in-depth. I do want to point out, for at least me researching, it was kind of hard finding psychology on fashion. It seems to be a very untouched demograph for study. Uh, I want to add on to the lab coat because I thought this was really interesting. Simply buying gym clothes makes you more likely to work out. And wearing gym clothes, even though you don't go to the gym, makes you much more likely to go to the gym in the future. So buying new clothes for specifically for the gym will most likely lead you to actually going to the gym and getting in shape. It's a first step on a much lar larger journey. Oh, we got to put the beard down first, Nick. Uh, ooh, no. Um, yeah, so you know how <laughs> I know we read the same thing. <laughs> I came across that same thing. And then, like you talked about uniforms, forget exactly the percentage, but students who wore uniforms to school... Didn't, I think it was like 15% or something better on their standardized tests than non-uniformed wearing schools. Yeah, it's, it seems like uniforms isn't a bad thing in the professional world. I granted, I kind of disagree with uniforms. I think kind of freedom of expression because I'm, 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 I'm an American. But uniforms seem to be quite beneficial all around for performance and excellency and higher quality workers. Yeah, it is crazy. Like you said... It makes a lot of sense. Uniforms make a lot of sense, 
but as an American, it's like, oh, I don't want to wear a uniform. But at the same time, everyone wears a uniform. I was talking to uh, this guy, really interesting guy, his helicopter pilot who works for us sometimes, and he's had a pretty crazy life. Like he grew up running uh, medical supplies down in South America with his dad building schools and then was a private pilot for this guy with the big tuna fleet in uh, like the Philippines area. And he's been all over, done a lot of different things. And he was, we were talking about like you know, clothes and stuff and what you, what you like to wear kind of. So yeah, you know, everyone's got a uniform. There's people out here in the woods who are like, oh man, I never want to wear a suit and tie. And then we all dress up in the same exact thing to go out to work. It's like, we all have a uniform, whether we see it that way or not. We're all wearing the same, you know, jeans, work shirt, boots compared to nice shoes and a suit and tie. It's in a sense, it is a uniform. It's kind of like like you were talking about in the last episode, like a societal pressured uniform. Oh, I I completely agree with that statement. Uh, You want to blend in. You want to fit in. I imagine on both on a personal level and an outside level, uniforms for the U.S. military. It's something you take pride in, you take care of, something that identifies you, but you don't want something bad to happen, much like you don't want something bad to happen to your country's flag. You protect it. Same with your uniform, especially if it's uh, for colors. It's yours. It's You want to protect it. It's a symbolism of you, and it extends to that, and it's the same with every field not just students doctors scientists uh, soldiers every every field when you have a uniform whether it's consciously subconsciously put on by your bosses or yourself it's one way or another uniform like you mentioned earlier nick you wear boots jeans a shirt usually plaid and a hat which is kind of the uniform for your industry yeah, we were, I was in the office on Friday doing paperwork and everyone was in the office too. We kind of had an off day. It's not normally like that. And we all knew we all had an office day and everyone in my office, all four, four foresters wore nice jeans, some kind of nice flannel and maybe a hat or maybe not. It's like, oh, uh, we, we are in fact the same people. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of, to me, leads us to how society views us how society changes our sense of fashion our wanting to belong our tribalism our blending in before we get there i do want to discuss one more thing about like personal fashion it is crazy how we look at uniforms and you know everything's kind of the same especially for like the military but everything we always try and personalize it like there's got to be some semblance of us in it like when i was doing wildland fire we all wore our yellows, a green pa- green Nomex pants, yellow Nomex shirt, pack, hard hat, gloves. The only thing you could really personalize was your helmet, but everyone would put their own stickers on their helmet, or maybe they'd have a different pack that they'd, they'd purchase themselves instead of the one that was issued. But there's always, everyone's always looking for some way to get their own little personal touch in their outfit. I know I, I put a, a sticker on my helmet that's from a, like Hotshot Brewing Company as a coffee company. It says, don't lose your fire. <laughs> but yeah like every even if we have a uniform we're looking for a way to make it personal like make it ours so that we are we do fit in with everyone but we're just a little bit different oh completely agree and i'm happy you interrupted me there because i oh, nearly forgot about like watches jewelry fashion isn't just clothes it's shoes and boots you're i, I don't know about you nick but no matter what gear i use whether it be tools clothes 
uh, my vehicle. I customized everything to function for me better, just to operate and handle better. Like if I have a hammer, I might cut it down to length that I like a little bit more, just so it's a little bit more easier to use. Or when I get like a mall or something like that, I might put a couple pieces of tape somewhere and I might, you know, wood burn it a little bit just to write my name in it or something, just a little customization. And whether it's something like that fashionable or simply a watch or a belt buckle or a purse or jewelry, that little act of defiance of saying I'm an individual but still fitting in with the tribe. I I can't agree with you more, Nick, that as much as we try to fit in, we still want to be different. Yeah, you, both, especially like for wildland fire, people will fight over, oh, well, it's more efficient if your radio's here or there. But in college, you could always tell the... Uh, wildland firefighters in class because they had the g-shock watches <laughs> i had one i had one too but it's like yeah all of you guys we all have the same g-shock watch it's like how, how how do we do that how do we get to this point where we're so much alike well that's probably societal pressure but before we get into that i want to mention one more thing about individualism so a small survey about a thousand males did it on tucking in your shirt 60% of men who tuck in their shirts were happier in their jobs. 22 were more optimistic, and 19% had a higher income than those who didn't tuck in their shirts. And Nick, this says probably doesn't matter because you're married, but those who tuck in their shirts had an 8% increase in dating. Yeah, I think that comes down to confidence. If you, you look good, you feel good, you're more confident, you feel happier. And if you're more confident, people, women are probably more willing to talk to you. You're more willing to talk to women. So it doesn't really surprise me that much. I think it's more about creating, using your fashion to create confidence in yourself is, is what's going on there. Oh, agreed. I, this might be a bit of a stretch, but when your hair, I would count hair as a, a sense of fashion, is the right way, you know, you just brush your teeth, you just, you know, either clean shaved or trimmed up your beard, you got, you know, fresh new soap, so you smell good, you feel more empowered, more self-confident. And I imagine that's got to be huge on a masses level. If as much as, as this is vain, but if more people took care of their appearance, the more they might care on how other people might see them or might care less. I'm not quite sure which way that would go, but as vain as it sounds, you should maybe care a little bit about your fashion, which is really weird coming out of my mouth. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of what I came across too, especially with the the exercise stuff. I was like, oh, wow, that's really doesn't surprise me. And thinking about it after work when it's warmer out, and I don't know if it's just because it's warmer out, I would put on like exercise pants and a t-shirt and I'd be more likely to run after work than now that it's cold out, I put on pajama pants and I just don't as much. <laughs> but I also exercise during the day. So I'm not just sitting on the couch all day, but I, that, I don't know if it's just, it could be the temperature or maybe it's just like wearing the pajama or wearing the running pants make me exercise more. But I do think like what you're saying that just have care, like focusing a little bit more on fashion will help you you'll appear more confident and i know like for me personally once if i'm not going out in the woods or something i'll dress a little bit nicer and i'll put on my watch and my actual wedding ring instead of just not wearing it because i'm gonna go do some physical work or something i feel a little better about myself too yes i i'm unfortunately the same way during these winter months where 
I'm like, I just want to stay warm. I want to be underneath the covers. I don't, but when I wake up and I, you know, put on a nice pair of jeans and, you know, kind of a relaxed button up, still a Sunday button up, but still, you know, open, open shirt overlay. I'm much more productive. I get more work done. I feel, I feel like that's an aspect in every sense of fashion where I, I would imagine I didn't come across any psychology on it, but simply what type of shoe or footwear you're wearing would probably influence how you feel or what the activities you do for the day. If you just put on like some old pair of crappy gym shoes, you might, you know, just run, do some chores, come back and sit on the couch. But if you put on, you know, that's a very, uh, dad, like, uh, dad gym shoes, you can do some, some housework, run some errands. Uh, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah unfor- <laughs> unfortunately we're getting older, Nick, but if you put on like, you know, a nice pair of running shoes, you might want to get a little more bounce in your step. You might subconsciously want to go run more, work out more. Or if you go put on like a nice pair of boots, you might want to do physical work or you might want to put on dress shoes. You might feel more proud, more honorable, more more like you rule the world, so to speak. And I imagine that has to tie in quite deeply with depression for individuals of when you're depressed, you kind of don't care what other people think or you might not care what you wear but simply changing your clothing might actually affect your mental state which is something small but would help a great deal of people yeah that's it's a really good point it's starting with something small that could have a huge impact i have no evidence for this but i just want to throw this out there because we're talking about the individual i would love to see a study done on a bunch of people where their entire wardrobe is removed and they are giving a they are given a random wardrobe how much their personality would change yeah i wonder i didn't really look into this but people are struggling with depression and then they had someone who's helping them like get dressed and stuff and all like nicer clothes how that would affect their like mental health i don't know that that would be interesting it would and you know dressing well isn't just suit and tie it's being put together. There's entire equations on matching, which we'll probably get to later. But how you feel echoes to how other people treat you. Simply the way you dress, uh, as much as we like it, we judge people. We look you up and down. We see, are you a possible mate? Are you a possible threat? Would we possibly be friends? Like, you know, Nick, like you said, with someone laughing at your shirt, are we connected in some way? Are we in the same tribe? Are we in the same lane? That's... That, that truly echoes throughout society in multiple different ways. If you're a gym clothes, but you, you're still looking out of shape, you're like, oh, you're trying. You're optimistic. You're, you're, you're a bright future. I might want to be your friend. And studies shown that if you dress, quote unquote, nicer, people assume you're smarter. And not only that, if you dress nicer, like suit and tie, the more traditional nicer, you get I think an 18% increase in salary. Uh, I think it's 12% chance of landing the job. It's either 12 or 22%. It's dressing nicer is beneficial all around for not only your personal, but your life around you, how people treat you completely changes. Yeah. And I came across one study that I think is in the same group of studies already talked about, but they just showed a picture of a man in a suit and one suit was like a fitted suit and the other was just an off the rack suit and no, blurred out the face and they asked him they asked people to describe the the two different men or same man different suit you still couldn't see the face and the difference between the fitted suit and non-fitted suit were pretty 
wild. Like everyone was saying that the fitted suit guy was, you know, smarter, better looking, handsome, more confident than the other guy, even when in reality is the same person. He just happened to have a, a better suit on. Hey, cosmetics matter. And in my mind, uh, since we talked about money a little bit in the early of the podcast, in my mind, this more science in the psychology of fashion might lead back to more well-produced, well-made clothing. I can hopefully see a trend of more tailors coming back to make high-quality clothes that are actually well-fitting for everyone, less generic, run-of-the-mill clothing, which I'm more for. I'm more for more jobs and more skilled labors and more niches, so to speak. Well, I think we're already seeing that. I mean, you know, growing up, a lot of people wore the standard Old Navy like um, t-shirts and stuff that their parents picked out. But now, just because of, I don't know, the internet and all that, you're seeing a lot more tailored specific stuff. Like each industry almost has its own like clothing, uh, little distinct brands. Like you got brands like Black Rifle Coffee, which is, you know, a veteran brand and that people wear that and everyone kind of, you, you already know where they're at. And then the same like in Wildland Fire, like that hotshot brewing company I mentioned, they make t-shirts and coffee and stuff that is very brand specific to those things. And so everyone's wearing their own clothing now. There's all these other companies that just make clothing that's tailored to like blue collar kind of stuff, very smaller companies. And so our fashion is getting more and more personalized as time goes on. Now, maybe not like you're saying specifically tailored, like an actual tailor tailored, but it seems to me that everyone's getting clothes more and more specifically suited to exactly what they want, just based on the availability of information and learning about these different companies. It's not like we're all going to Gap to buy t-shirts anymore. Oh yeah, I I completely agree. It's more niches, more, more good tribalism, which is quite weird saying. I also want to point out this fact. I imagine, I, I can speak on my behalf, I, I believe i can speak on nick's Nick's behalf but the fashion we are mainly talking about is clothing um the fashion of you know what car you drive what kind of house you get that's a whole other subject so i nick if i'm correct me if i'm wrong but we're mainly just talking about clothing this episode yeah that's that's where i'm at i didn't want to get into all that's that's gonna be yeah a whole nother episode (laughs) (laughs) no but because since you touched on a little bit with the internet it's amazing how quickly the fashion trends change and how much influence the people people follow on social media, on the outlets, on how much that changes your view on fashion. So if you see someone you like, you want to dress like them a little bit you or relate to them or you want to fit into that tribe, you dress like them. You have more influencers, social media influencers, having a lot larger effect on the clothing industry than ever before i mean in the past like say the 1950s and 60s you can see marilyn monroe buying a specific uh, lipstick or uh, kennedy buying a specific suit brand that would you know obviously change it but because there's so many people online currently and so many trends how society changes and how society views certain people based on fashion is ever-changing it comes and goes constantly it used to be long periods about from what i saw for the 20th century about eight years and for fashion to truly change and it seems like to me nick fashion's changing every six to eight months now oh yeah i'm 
not not that surprised. I mean, everything every everything in our lives is seems like changing every six to eight months. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, everything's accelerated just because of the spread of information and you know who knows where what's coming up next. I have an interesting thought. So in fifth grade, there's this girl who wore a like tie and like a button up shirt and like a I don't know whatever I forgot what pants she's wearing, but which at the time I think like was high high fashion, not something a fifth grader would understand. I, she kind of got made fun of and people didn't really understand it. And not that I'm a, a high fashion would ever get that, but so I'm curious. So even though that that is in that fashion, the audience that received it didn't didn't get it. So do you think that that would cancel out the confidence you would get from wearing something that's in fashion because the audience doesn't understand it? I would say yes. I think you got to read the room. If everyone prefers something and you're trying to fit in a certain social structure of looking nice, because let's say fifth grade, I think having new pair of Nikes in, in my mind was, you know, oh, he's got the new, he's got the new Nikes. Those look awesome. Or that's probably too old for light up sneakers at that point, right? Yeah, no, we were, it was more like, like the 03, 04 Kobe's. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're a sneakerhead, but like, oh shit, he's got Kobe's. Jesus, those are those are slick looking, like stuff like that, or like um, this might be me, but going to high school, uh, I wasn't exactly the richest kid. There was a lot of I would say rich kids in our high school, Nick. But when I saw kids wearing like North Face or you know brands similar to that, I would just think, oh, upper middle white class for kids. Like I would, I could completely identify their their economic and structure for their household based on what clothes they're wearing. Oh, yeah. I remember when I got my first North Face like in sophomore year. I got a, a Mountain Hardware. It's kind of a similar brand. It wasn't a North Face, but it's like, oh, yeah, now I'm one of the cool kids. <laughs> you know what? Something this is this is probably a little bit off topic, but with Carhartt, for me growing up, Carhartt was, oh, you you do hard work. Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> you do You do hard work. Carhartt is... Like they're like to me Dickies. Like I, I have a lot of Dicky clothes because they work well for what I do. Like if I need black dress slacks, you know, to be in the office, but I also need to go out to the to the wood shop or metal shop, weld something. I'm wearing Dickies because they're functional, nice looking pants. And I used to think the same thing about Carhartt, but now I feel like Carhartt. Everyone's wearing ironically. Like you're not working a hard job. You're just wearing Carhartt simply for the logo for the name. Okay, so. Here's a Oregon story for you. So I was, it was like Thanksgiving and I was flying home after work. So I was leaving straight from work and we were burning piles. So I kind of got like, not super bad because I was trying to stay clean to travel. And uh, I left from work and drove straight to the airport to, to make my flight. And I'm sitting on the, uh, you know, when you're like walking through the plane to get to your seat and someone's putting their bag away. So you're just kind of standing there. And this guy... Um, He's like, oh man, where did you get those distressed Carhartts? I was like, this is only in Oregon. Would someone ask for distressed Carhartts? That that hurts my soul. <laughs> I'm like, it's like, it's like these are these are not working man pants anymore. <laughs> or that's um. So the pants that I was talking about earlier, my really expensive pant rain pants, they're a company called Filson, and it's like a cloth with wax in it that's rainproof, like really rainproof and they're pretty nice but they're they have a huge price tag 
because they're now very fashionable with like the hipster community who can afford to pay the higher price tag. And so they went from being this like working like Alaskan outfitter, like coastal outfitter to like hipster ish brand. That sounds like the goose feather jackets that are now like super expensive, even though they're not that expensive to make. Like they're just simply a piece of fashion item that is popular in society and a structure of like, hey, I got this. Look at me. I'm peacocking. Yeah. And that's that's the problem with Oregon is you have to try and you know how you look at people to figure out if you can get along with them. You have to figure out if the person is wearing the flannel ironically or not ironically. Now, a good indicator is how tight the pants are, but sometimes you can be wrong. Yeah, I'm running the same issue in Texas. Everyone here wears boots. And when I was growing up, boots were, you know, kind of people I got along with. They're like, oh, okay, you like working with your hands. I can get along with you. But now everyone wears boots. I'm like, I I, I can't tell. It's 360 degrees combat of trying to figure out who's who. So we, we diverged, and now we're all heading back towards the same same thing. <laughs> well, we we brought it up a little bit on how society views us. I mean, mates trying to peacock, trying to attract the opposite sex is huge in the fashion world. I mean, huge to look sexier, to look more confident, to simply get a mate to, uh, for lack of better terms, quote unquote, bag the prize. Females wearing tight dresses, a bit of exposing to help show fertility. Males wearing explosive clothing, depending on their audience, and just to show, hey, I have money, I can do so-and-so, to show that ambiance of, hey, I'm such-and-such structure, I'm such-and-such status, I am in such-and-such world, to show the cover of a book of what they are. Now, granted, with clothes, it's a chameleon effect you can easily change in those out of those i imagine everyone has their going out clothes to you know look nice or fashionable depending on the environment if you're just going to a bar with a couple buddies you might just wear you know a pair of old sneaks and some jeans and a t-shirt but if you're looking for a you know a date and you go to more of a dancing bar or club you might wear a button up it's the fashion world and the dating world they're tied in there's no you can't separate them they are glued together Oh, for sure. And I'm really jealous of how many times you said peacocking this episode. Not going to lie. <laughs> why? <laughs> I'm confused on why Why you're jealous about me saying peacocking. Because it's such a funny word. It is. I don't know. That's all. <laughs> oh, no, but it's, it's true. People put on makeup, jewelry. Uh, people gel their hair, cut, get a certain haircut. I... I mean, living in Chicago, when I would go out, there's a lot of quote-unquote douchebags that I was competing with when I was trying to, you know, talk to a girl. And granted, I probably stuck out like a like a sore thumb because I don't dress like upper middle class white kids in Chicagoland. So I was probably an outlier there and probably that's probably why it didn't work out for me. But, you know, the black shirt... Some, you know, dark jeans or they were wearing, you know, like a light blue shirt. God, the amount of, the amount of douchebags wearing light blue shirts and like black slacks. I want a punch in the face. Like it's, it screams to me daddy's money. Now that might just be societal and television just doing that to me in history. But 
boy, does fashion now tell me what kind of individual you are. Sorry, I went on a little transom there, Nick. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, and it's just like the, the same thing out, uh, out here, depending on the kind of clothes and jeans someone's wearing and pants, you can infer how much money they, they have and, and stuff like that. Like, uh, we always made fun of this one kid in my fraternity who always wore like the sparkly pants, um, like with the conchos and, and stuff. We called them like barrel racer pants. The the pants. At least he wasn't wearing Crocs. Did Austin wear Crocs? I really think he did. Oh no! Just like around the around the house, not like out. He's pretty f- surprisingly fashionable, but uh, again, wrong audience um, in the fraternity. We weren't there for that, and <laughs> he just never learned. But uh, yeah, you can definitely tell. Like uh, mostly out, like. Not to get too far away from fashion, but hiking now is a huge trend. It's very fashionable to be hiking. And me and my wife, we always, we go do all sorts of hikes. I mean, our honeymoon, we did a backcountry hike. So we're like pretty seasoned hikers. I mean, I hike for a living, but you can tell the people who are doing it just to like be fashionable, who went to REI and bought like $600 worth of gear to do like a two and a half mile loop. It's like, come on, really? If I might chime in here, Nick, yeah, I would say your mating slash fashion world is much more difficult than mine because you have so many quote unquote hipsters. And in my mind, it's just nature extended into humanity where you have other birds mimicking other birds to fit in to, to steal mates. So you might have, uh, I can't think of a bird off the top of my head. Well, just, I'm just gonna go with a random bird. It's not this exact bird, but I'm just going to go with it. So you have like a quail, right? We'll say you're a quail, Nick. And, you know, you don't have pre-worn pants. You've worn them out yourselves like you should. And so when you're attracting mates, that's what you are. But then you might have hipsters who mimic that to try to steal mates away. I feel like that's very common in nature and humans are just mimicking it. And I would imagine it's got to be frustrating for a high hipster area because you have lots of imitators lots of lots of synthetics i guess to say for clothing for fashion to blend in because i don't know about i i I don't remember the study i came across but i can't remember the percentage but the amount of percentage people first thing they do is look at your shoes is extremely high um the amount of times people look at your like what kind of shoes or boots you're wearing is significant so you should truly care about your footwork on how they look granted work versus out in society about are two different things so keep that in mind but uh, would you agree with my statement on mimicking other humanoids to steal mates yeah i think that's definitely the mimicking thing but it's i think it's also um first off i want to see your use when you said high hipster area i want to see that on like a census and or like uh when you're entering county line like Welcome, welcome to Clackamas County. We honor <laughs> veterans and first responders. And below that, it's like HHA for high hipster area. Uh, <laughs> I can just see some dive bar out in the middle of the nowhere, and it just has it just has a circle with a cross going through it and saying no, <laughs> no hipsters allowed. Yeah, but I don't know if it's exact like the boils down to the stealing the mate thing i think where it started from is like wearing that ironically right it's kind of like well how people and it just became part of the fashion so like 
people were wearing flannels to make fun of other people the way the same way a lot of people started saying bro to make fun of people who said bro but now bros kind of like we all say bro um, i mean my wife says bro because we used to say it ironically to make fun of people and now it's just like part of <laughs> our everyday lexicon maybe just because we're trash humans but i think <laughs> i think uh i think that has kind of something to do with it but i do I, I see where you're coming from, right? Because that's like that's the fashionable what what the women want, and you wear it ironically, and then but you still like blend in with those other crowds, so you're attracting like a wider audience. Well, it's not to me just hipster. It extends to so you see a a person you have a crush on, you have a mate uh, that you want to date, and you see what type of uh, mate they go for. So if it's a female going for a male who tends to wear you know a button up well-fitted pants dress shoes you might dress like that because you want to attract a mate similar to her and vice versa you see on the television some celebrity and you see them married to such and such woman so you might dress similar to her to help to maybe subconsciously try to attract a mate similar to that with the hipsters yeah i agree with you it's uh, ironically but i can see it being a feature that it kind of steals mates i that might just be me overthinking things but I can see humans mimic other couples trying to attract a similar mate to because of their clothing. Like if I, let's see here, uh, I like Tom Hardy. He's one of my favorite actors. Tom Hardy, he pretty much dresses relaxed and that's what I tend to do, you know, boots, jeans, t-shirt, and sometimes a cool jacket. And I either consciously or subconsciously do that occasionally. And I don't know what his wife or girlfriend looks like, but if I kind of, Kind of subconsciously, if you dress like them, you might think you are them, I guess, at a, at a point. I don't know on how many levels or degrees, but if you mimic people with success based on their fashion, you might try to get that success yourself, is what my mindset is. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But it is it is so weird on how much the fashion world changes countries, changes continents it changes the entire planet itself and nick if you don't mind i'd like to transition into how fashion has such a negative impact on the planet yeah i am definitely down so like we mentioned earlier fashion is a dual-edged sword it is a tool in your toolbox as nick likes to say but we are currently wielding it and we're, we're a kid playing with a full sword we are not sure what we're doing the fashion industry wastes about 93 cubic meters of water just to grow the plants to make the textiles for fashion. That's a lot of water. And hell, fashion is responsible for 10% of the global carbon emissions. Granted, this happens in a lot of developing and third world countries because that's where sweat labor shops are and et cetera, et cetera. And because of fashion alone, Half a million tons of plastic microfibers are dumped into the ocean. And it, it doesn't stop there. Just in the U.S. alone, 10.2 metric tons of textiles end up in landfills. And another 2.9 metric tons end up just being burned. Because fashion trends are changing so fast, people are getting rid of their clothes in like an exodus. It's ridiculous. And all that ends up in a landfill or ends up being burned, not recycled which you should definitely go check out our episode on illegal recycling and backyard philosophy but nick before i continue just the impact fashion has on destroying the environment 
what is your feelings and opinions on it? Oh, I have pretty strong opinions on this. I mostly just because, all right, I'm going to say a nice thing about hipsters so I can insult them in a minute, but <laughs> so the, the one trend that they have of like thrift, thrift store shopping, which that may be more of a credit to Macklemore than, than hipsters, but is uh, re- of reducing clothes is good, but it is crazy to see how many of these hipsters, especially out in Oregon, who they buy clothes because of like whatever. Maybe it has like something that's green on the label, but it's very clearly like not a. Uh, uh, they're like always buying new clothes and stuff. That their their fashion choices are actually harm more harmful to the environment than they understand. But they do it in the name of like oh well it it said like green or whatever on the label or something like that. It it it, it drives my wife insane. Just all the the stupid things that they do. Ugh. But like, um, like the biggest, biggest, this isn't really a fashion thing, but so they'll like whatever company like, um, Columbia or something like one of those big kind of hipsterish companies that predominantly sells to that group of people. Target audience. Sure. Like, um, th- th- a lot of their stuff that they do, like it doesn't make any sense. And then, then they do like, uh, like did this thing like we're gonna plant like fifty thousand trees and for like the year and it's like everything's green so each tree or each each clothing that's supported like does something to help pay for those trees well the cost of actually planting fifty thousand trees is not that much compared to how much they probably made from that but it gives it creates an excuse to oh i'm just gonna go buy this like predominantly petroleum synthetic cloth wear that on the guise of being green and then i'm going to take this plastic non-reusable water bottle out into the woods it's like i don't know how many times we've seen that out in oregon it's it drives me insane because a lot of these companies like i said i plant trees for a living and out here i don't know if you get those ads a lot mike of planting a tree and they have like stickers that say like this what cloth or this whatever help plant a tree and then they put it on their subarus that they helped like plant a tree you know we'll take a a crew out and plant you know anywhere from nine to 11,000 trees a day just and we'll for our company so that's like a week's worth of work for one crew so it's like they're really not like in the grand scheme of things not that much and they make it seem like a lot because i mean who really knows how many trees can be planted in a day or, or what the cost is yeah i imagine that's not very common knowledge uh and to answer your question nick that's not really common around me I see more people burning coal in their trucks than they than I see environmental stickers. If, that, if that's if that's any indication of my environment, that's that's probably a good point. You also probably get a lot less Subaru in Columbia commercials than I do. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen one here. <laughs> but no, I I agree with the the quote unquote selling more products simply because you're saying you're green, even though. All evidence points otherwise. I mean, entire industries and organizations have started to help make agriculture more efficient for clothing, for fashion. So uh, a company called Better Cotton uh, Initiative is an organization trying to help the global cotton production by trying to make it more sustainable, trying to make it less wasteful of water, because the amount of water wasted for uh, for growing clothing in not just in America, but, you know, Southeast Asia, uh, in 
Europe and Africa. It's and I think we actually did a comparison between cotton and hemp in our hemp episode for water use. We did. You should definitely go check that out on Backyard Philosophy. Nice call out there, Nick. But it's true. The amount of waste just to keep up with the fashion demands is ridiculous. And I'm very curious. I could not find a study on this, but I want to know the long-term effects of dyes on the planet. So you might have, like we, like we mentioned, there's 10.2 metric tons of microplastic ending up in the ocean because of clothing. Well, that clothing is most likely dyed. It's not just its natural color. How does, when it decays, how does that leak out into the environment? How does that affect the environment? Are not only are are, are clothes, are they biodegradable, but are the dyes that make up the clothes, the prints, the, the, the thermal pasted images on front of your t-shirts, how do they react when masses amounts of that are stacked up in landfill decay and all pull together? That's, to me, a very interesting study, which I could not for the life of me find out. Yeah, I imagine that'd be pretty hard to do, mostly because you'd have to have, like, only dyes in, in like, a small landfill to study. And I don't know if that's the most concerning thing that's being thrown away. Probably <laughs> batteries <laughs> is I, the but, bigger concern. But, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Still, though, still, I'd be very curious because I don't know about, until researching this, I didn't know how much clothes were thrown away or simply just burned not you know shredded recycled to made i don't know like a horse blanket or make some type like insulation at least something uh for those who don't know like boxing bags you have multiple different types of boxing bags and some of them are just shredded cloths on the inside i i hope those are recycled materials but i feel like there's a whole industry there that no one's capitalizing on of reusing or repurposing discarded clothing because i don't know the cycle of clothing that lasts at a re- like a secondhand store. How long will it stay on the racks until they toss into the garbage? All these numbers, like how many how many high brands don't allow their allow their items to go to secondhand stores? They simply destroy them or recall them. I imagine there's got to be a high percentage of quote unquote high fashion clothing items that simply don't make it to secondhand stores or. They just simply destroy because to help keep the prices up of their fashionable items. Yeah, I I know it's like uh, if you have too much supply, then there's not as much demand. So I'm, I'm sure there's some of that going on. I have seen the, um, there's one in, in Newport of the Goodwill, but it's like a Goodwill boutique and it's only high fashion stuff, I think. I, I've never actually been inside, but that's what it looks like from the outside. So there <laughs> is some... What's that? We're out of our comfort with fashion, aren't we, Nick? We're gonna, we're kind of d- d- uh, jumping into the water, not really knowing fashion that well. I would uh, definitely say we are not too high fashionable people. Wrangler's a fashion, <laughs> and <laughs> Carhartt is now high fashion. So check and mate. <laughs> I know just about like, hey, don't wear don't wear a black belt with brown <laughs> with brown shoes or vice versa. <laughs> See, I don't know that, and that's why I am married. Wait, what? So, no, that's not why I'm married, but that's why I ask my wife things. No, like you I didn't, you didn't know statement. you don't don't mismatch your belt and shoes. This isn't a podcast about what I may or may not know, Mike. No, no now now it is. Your your watch band, your belt, and your shoes are always supposed to match. If you wear brown shoes, you're supposed to have uh, and a leather and a leather watch band. It's supposed to be brown, and your belt's also supposed to be brown. Well, I'll give you a hint that that is not the case. 
God damn it. So I have brown boots, brown belt, black watch. It's yeah, but that, you can get away with that. That's okay. Watch is less noticeable. But brown belt and brown shoes, that's, I feel like that's 101 there, Nick. But if you only have one belt, no matter what kind of <laughs> shoe. <laughs> All right, Nick. Let, let me ask you a question. Would you be willing to pay 18% more on your clothing items if it would stop sweatshops? This is kind of a loaded question, but... Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I really only buy... Like, I have mostly, like... Most of my t-shirts and stuff are all probably sweatshop t-shirts that were made, like, for whatever event. Like, from some free thing from college. And then stuff that I ordered that's pretty much all made in the USA. But... A lot, like in a lot of my, I'm sure my all of my like jeans and stuff are made in sweatshops, and so I guess the the issue is like with everything, everything is so complex that when you go to the store, really the last thing on my mind is which of these brands are sweatshop free, and so the question, yeah, would I would I be willing to pay more? Yes, but do I think about that every time I go to buy pants? No, which is probably why there's still sweatshops because everyone i'm sure would say yes but that's not what we're thinking when we go to buy pants much more complicated answer than i was looking forward to my question i was but if we simply raised all the clothing prices 18 percent, the amount of sweatshop labor would significantly improve and that's a huge negative impact to me my mind for fashion there are currently 250 million children between the ages of 5 and 14 working in sweatshops that's that's 20, 250 million too high in my in my mind it's sweatshops i mean i i'm i'm guilty of it i more than likely am probably wearing a sweatshop clothing item right now it's so easy just to forget and you just go for the cheapest price that's why i'm hoping that yeah and it's not just i mean it is clothes as well but i'm sure i know iphones are made in the u.s now but for the longest time they weren't pretty much all of us have owned so even if we did everything to avoid sweatshop clothes. We probably still own sweatshop phones and everything else as well. So I think we're all all guilty of some way, somehow, owning sweatshop goods. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And I'm hoping, because I feel like the textile industry, I guess, is more, in my mind, self-conscious of their image. is ironic as that is of they might be able to change the sweatshop item into a non-sweatshop item like i feel like they're the easiest to change versus technology does that make sense to, to you how i explain that yes definitely i mean that's one of the other gripes with like say um i can't remember if it's like columbia and i'm sorry i keep picking on them but they just have the dumbest ads uh like they do like you said talk about how great they are for the environment and then it'll be like made in Taiwan or something. So even if it's not a sweatshop, it's still shipped over on like a big boat that emits emissions. So it's like, that. that's the other thing of, uh, I guess, actions versus speak, you know, do as I say, not as I do, I guess is what it is. Yeah. You know, the, the project an image of like green and nature and replanting trees. And then in reality, it's made in Asia with sweat in a sweatshop and then shipped over on a big boat. I guess is where the disconnect is, which is, and maybe that it's not anymore. And maybe Columbia is or isn't. I'm just using them as a punching bag pretty much. But uh, yeah, they do, a lot, especially out West. And obviously it doesn't seem like as much in Texas, but a lot of these companies, North Face, 
uh, included a very green, um, it's part of their image now, part of their, who, it's a people who buy them want to project that image of being environmentally friendly, which is ironic because at the same time, it seems like they're, where they're made is not the greenest. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But technology is entering the fashion world and might change how the fashion is not only created, but how fashion is produced. So Nick, this we're getting into my territory with STEM, with science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Unless you have anything more to add into the negative impacts of the environment. Um, no, real quick. Is it, uh, is it STEM or STEAM? Because I heard someone call it STEAM recently. Whoever says STEAM is a moron. It is STEM. Okay, that's what I thought. I will I thought die on that hill. Out of you. That, is one, that, is a, that is a non-smart, intelligent hill that I will die on. All right, sounds good. That's all I wanted from you. <laughs> no, but it's amazing that STEAM... Wow, you just made me do it. God damn. STEM is, and has been... <laughs> in the fashion world and is entering the fashion world everything from silver nano whiskers sewn into clothes to make them antibacterial clothes that sweat themselves clean the clothes or they're simply they're simply sewn in with organic material that will clean the clothes so goodbye goodbye uh uh laundry machines and just the amount of new clothes coming out to make it less uh, less carbon emissions clothes that can conform to your body you put on like a huge shirt hit a button and it conforms to whatever you wear it's a tailored shoot tailored shirt for everyone that you just hit a button and it automatically goes and not alone we i mean you got you got chemistry that the amount of new materials needed new colors being created it's a fantastic new world for stem majors yep that, i'm not surprised i mean it's that's the future right i mean that's probably something that we've seen in like uh back to the future kind of stuff like clothes that do all these kind of cool things oh that's the future i have actually no idea on where clothes were going to go but luckily i might not have to or either you nick because we have ai now and ai is making a huge splash in the fashion world ai is getting involved in ways that is both economic and for design so a designer by the name of dai fujirawa collaborated with a mathematician by the name of william thurston and together, they created an algorithm to create different types of clothes, new geometry, new fashion, new just <laughs> new ways to wear clothes. And it doesn't just stop with them. IBM's created an AI called Watson AI that analyzes thousands upon thousands of runway shows to generate and find patterns, then predict the color and trends of the fashion world. And in case you're wondering, Nick, the color of 2021 apparently is going to be aqua and that is a shade of blue yep there you yep, go knew that there you go what you know and don't know always surprises me yes well that's my wife be like oh yeah get the whatever and it's like uh shoot what's some weird it's some weird ass color it's like is it the purple one or the pink one she's like it's a mix of the two it's like oh well i don't, lavender. I don't know that so yeah something like lavender that's a, a perfect example Good, good, good to know that you can't tell colors, but uh, yeah. I do the, I know the primary colors. What are the three primary colors, Nick? Red, green, blue? Nope. Try, try that one more time. Fuck. You're close. Red and blue are red, correct. 
what makes green? What two colors make green? It's yellow and blue. There you go. There, there you go. go. That's, those are three primary colors. So with AI now changing clothes, it's a whole new different game. I mean, well, I mentioned a little bit er- earlier about fashionableness, about matching. There's equations for it. There's one equation for matching clothes, called, and it's fashionableness is equal to negative 0.5m squared plus 0.62m plus 0.49, where m is equal to the matching z-score. And there's a whole chart on the z-score. I did not know there was this much math in fashion. It's just quite surprising to me. For I would rather go dress like an idiot than have to do math to pick out what clothes I'm wearing. I'm sorry. That's not what I'm doing every morning to figure out what to wear. If you want to do a runway show where you're a fashion designer and you're trying to you know, make not more than $90,000 a year, and you want to get that new brand out, you might use like the golden ratio. You might use that fashionableness equation. You might try to develop something that is scientifically beautiful to the human eye where it buys more, sells more, gets more clothes out there, helps you know change the environment. Yeah, I just imagine like uh, some guy or some kid going to school for like fashion and having to take all these high-end math classes being like, why the fuck do I need to take like algebra (laughs) three for math? (laughs) Apparently because there's math involved in fashion. Who knew? Math makes the world go round. No, but not only just, you know, designing clothes, but the clothes in tech, there are batteries being developed for clothes where you're your body temperature makes energy because of the clothes you're wearing that can wirelessly charge your phone. Not only that, if there's temperature changing clothes. So if it's hot out, it might be able to open up more, much like opening a window on your body. If it's cold more, it might shut down more. So it it, it helps keep in your t- body temperature. And not even to mention safety clothes, you know, Nick, steel toe boots. I mean, that's fashion, just protection, right? Gloves. And if you want to go even more depth with the science of fashion, bulletproof vests, how it feels, how it moves, how it cuts into your uh, underpits to when you're, you know, lifting something, just all those fashion things translating to other subjects that we might not even think about that are fashion. Yeah. One thing, the technology of fashion that I came across, I wanted to bring up is clothing that cools you. So it's clothing that takes, takes away your heat. And what that means is that instead of trying to become more efficient with cooling everything, so like buildings in places where it's warm, all that air conditioning, you can not spend as much energy lowering the building because humans can now work comfortably in these areas with these this clo- with clothing that cools them. So you're spending less money on uh, to power everything. So there's less emissions. And I was like, man, that's whoever thought of that is a genius. Like instead of all these people sitting around, like, how do we save, you know, money on cooling? And it's like, well, we could get more efficient air conditioners. Like what if we just made it so people were comfortable in warmer conditions? I would not have thought of that. No, and it's quite ingenious. I do see some problems with that, like computers that need to be in kind of cold environments because they kind of heat up quite a bit. So I imagine it would be a certain niche that could only wear clothes that are self-cooling or something like that. Like um, uh, for me, like metalsmithing, blacksmithing, that seems like a perfect opportunity to do that where you're next to a furnace or a foundry 
and you want to keep yourself cool without having to supply more fans, which wastes electricity or air conditioning for environment. Like that's a perfect, great solution. I'm very happy you came across. Yep, that. I came across. Uh, they're looking at that for firefighters too, because I don't know. This is an interesting fact that I learned a long time ago. So I don't know exactly where it's from, but I think the research is done at University of Illinois that after a firefighter, a structure firefighter goes into a building, like a flaming building, a structure, his body temperature is raised for the next like three days. Same as uh, into a similar respect, wildland firefighters who are exposed to high heat near wildfires for a long time, their body temperature is also higher because their clothing is fire retardant, not uh, cooling. So if you created some kind of fire retardant and cooling clothing for those guys, then they would be healthier. You're not heating up your body as much, not putting undue stress on it, and then can work more efficiently and safer. You don't have anyone passing out from the heat. Yeah, that's a that seems like an easy win. Uh, and I imagine probably with also sticking on that kind of theme with like doctors and nurses having more sterilized clothing where it's not only, you know, fresh out of a bag, you know, to to stay clean but might have silver sewn into it to help disinfect anything they touch or to simply help prevent the transition of diseases in hospitals and 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 doctor's offices especially in poor countries where they can't afford to sterilize everything yeah that's a good point but nick i have a few questions which i'm really hoping people will do studies on which i'm not quite sure how they would do studies on or i'm not to see evidence that studies have been done on them like we mentioned earlier in the podcast the science and psychology of fashion is still kind of an untouched subject matter there was not a lot of i don't know about you nick were were there did you find come across a lot of psychology papers for fashion uh not really i didn't i don't think i really came across anything along those lines well some of them i have are uh, i i would say uh clicks so like for especially kids of how fashion changes how they grow up or their outcome to be so i imagine if they're in a quote-unquote phase on how much influence that has on them like the clothes they're wearing like they're in the glock phase wearing all black owing depression will that lead to depression later on in life simply being in that mindset wearing that clothes living that quote-unquote life will that lead to it and this might be way down the rabbit hole which I don't really want to touch on, but I want to bring it up. But I'd be very curious on how we mentioned how if you if you look good, you feel good, but how that affects on a larger scale, like empowerment, like in the nineteen uh, forties when women entered the workplace, where they were no longer you know wearing the traditional clothing, they were wearing work clothing, or simply moving on even further, where uh, clothing wasn't just based on your status; it was just based on your opinion based on your your outlet your your art style or even moving on into probably dangerous waters which is why i don't want to touch into it how does the psychology of dressing as the opposite sex uh, quote-unquote cross-dressing how does that affect a person mentally in the fashion world and not only that but like the stress of fashion for show models running down the walkway how the pills they take the, the starving themselves that's all tied into fashion. It There's a lot of untouched scientific questions in fashion, which is so strange to think about. I never thought fashion would be such a 
decisive thing in our society. But I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is completely fashion, but there's things that we as society put on people that uh, create some division. For example, um, right now, I'd say the biggest thing that we as a society are using to judge people, not politically, but just as people, are two names that have a style, and I'm talking about Kyle's and Karen's. <laughs> and yeah, just for just for my own entertainment, my... please describe the clothing of Kyle's and Karen. Okay, so Kyle's, you're looking at like some kind of monster energy drink shirt, some kind of hat, most likely a flat brim, um, vapes, and kind of skaterish thing and uh then for karen's that's think like the uh the man like the, um the john and what's her name the john and kate plus eight lady haircut like the very short kind of like fakish blonde hair big glasses minivan expensive purse i want to talk to the manager and if i that's could, your basic karen mike if i could add on <laughs> to that i want to add on chad's Oh, Chad's another good one. <laughs> the bro, the pink, the pink salmon shorts with a polo with, with the collar up. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. Yep, that's, didn't interrupt you there. No. Um, what's another good one? Oh man. Um, yeah, but yeah, and so that's uh, I mean, <laughs> we all know those people, and it is, or maybe we don't know them, but we've definitely seen them and been like, oh, that's a Kyle. <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. We, as much as we don't like to admit it, all humans judge based on appearance. But I, again, going back to what I mentioned with how clothing changes your empowerment, cross-dressing, sexuality, security, I would be curious on if a person wears a specific clothes. Like again, like I mentioned, that study where someone else chooses your clothes, like how much you would go into them, like how much you would f- fill those shoes, so to speak. Get it. <laughs> Uh, uh, if we had another study like that, but instead of wearing random clothes of your sex, it's a random clothes of the opposite sex. I wonder how much a male would take on feminine traits and how much a feminine will take on male traits. That would also be very curious to me. Uh, does a clothing, is a clothing an aspect of your inner wants or can a clothing change your inner desires? Probably not the best wording for it, but it's the best I could do. Yeah, that's... That would be interesting. I mean, I don't know about that, I, but I do just kind of from the um, the birth order one of the third kids. So uh, third, the third child. So each child is more likely to be gay. Each male child, successive male child, has a higher percentage chance of being homosexual. And p- that's partly due to societal pressures is of they think that because not, you know, not being in a male is pushed on them as much, but also because of kind of some antibodies that, that happen. So that might be kind of, kind of along the same lines, Mike, of societal pressures not pushed as much on uh, the first, as on the first two male children, that they have more freedom to kind of do whatever so that they're, and they, if I can add on to know, that, it's not like I they imagine, were less. Yeah. I, I, if I, if I can add on that, I'd imagine also the hand-me-down clothes that's got a, somehow affect a, per, a child psychology of oh i'm getting my older brothers or sisters clothing i'm not getting my own clothing yeah that's true oh uh, and I, I i didn't come across anything like that but i'm i know my brother did not like wearing my old clothes 
And I also imagine, again, couldn't find a lot of research on this, but the color of your clothes on how that changes your personality impact and how you societally interact. Like if you're wearing all black or all red or all blue, because I know for fighting, the, the fighter wearing more red has a higher percentage of winning than wearing any other color. So I imagine subconsciously color has a huge impact on us and wearing color on an everyday basis on an average person, not just professional base is also got to imagine as much as it sounds like a BuzzFeed quiz, which is like, if you wear this in color, you're empowered. If you wear this color, you're relaxed and chill. As much as that sounds like healing crystals to me, there's got to be some merit of truth in it. Yeah. And um, this is a topic that gets brought up a lot that I hear about. I actually didn't do a lot of research into it because uh, I just didn't really think about it until now that we're talking about it. But women's uh, clothing sizes, thats I think that has like a negative effect on people. But also like I, I don't buy my wife clothes because I don't understand women's clothing sizes. So that's just something that happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Nick. I have, I know s- small, medium, and large. And I also know that changes depending on what country you go to. So I, I given up on sizes. If it fits, it fits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> that's, that's my mindset. Yeah. Um, do you got anything else? No, I, again, I keep, I might sound like a broken record here, but it sounds like the fashion world is yet to be quite undiscovered for science. And I'm assuming we've missed something. And I really hope someone reaches out and tells us like, hey, this is a really interesting topic, or these are these really cool scientific articles. And out of curiosity, Nick, where could they tell us all where to find all these information that they found? You can find us on Instagram and that's it. And YouTube. And YouTube. But yeah. can they find us on Twitter? We, you cannot find us on Twitter because Twitter is a dumpster fire. <laughs> Every time. I love that. And out of curiosity, Nick, I imagine you're not reading a fashion book right now because you don't know how to match your shoes and your belt together. But what book are you reading right now? I'm about to finish Tree Story, a book about tree ring dating, and uh, might give it to you when I'm done. We'll see. Um, what about you? What are you reading? I am reading another Ian Red book, Fountainhead, and uh, I imagine for the next few weeks, because it is a quite lengthy book, I will be reading this book for a while, but I quite, quite enjoyed Atlas Shrugged, so I'm very excited for Fountainhead. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram 